Welcome to another episode of A Priest, a Rabbi, and a Minister Walk Into a Radio Station. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci, and I'm welcoming you to this conversation with Pete Fasciano. Hello. Hi, Pete. For those of you who don't know, Pete is the executive director of Franklin Television and Radio, and he is stepping in for Jay Horrigan, who is normally with us, but he'll be back next month. So all of you missing him, he'll be back. There was a vote taken, by the way, Pandora, whether or not I should sit in for Jay or whether they should just use a life-size cardboard cutout of Jay. Uh, when, the, when the tally came in, unfortunately, the cardboard cutout won. And I called for a revote, but that, <laughs> so that's you know the election my, was stolen. My shame of the my shame of the day, exactly. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Well, I think I, I, despite the vote, I think we're in good hands, and uh, with someone who knows far more than I do about radio broadcasting. So uh, we're onward and upward, and as always, joining us are our faith leaders. Reverend Kathleen McAdams from St. John's Episcopal Church, Rabbi Tom Alpert from Temple at Siam, and Pastor Jacob Juncker from the United Methodist Church. And for the second time in a row, we are recording in person around the table at Franklin TV and Radio. Each month, we have a focused discussion topic, and today's focus will be on Passover and Easter in concert with, hopefully, stepping away from COVID. But before we begin our conversation of the day, we always like to check in with our faith leaders, beginning with Reverend Kathy, and learn how things are going in their respective ministries. Reverend Kathy, how are things going at St. John's? Well, things are busy this week. Uh, Next week is Holy Week, as you know. And um, so there's a lot of preparation. We have a lot of extra services and making sure that uh, all the all the right volunteers are lined up and the music is prepared and all of those things. Um, so it's a good busy. And in terms of COVID, uh, we're almost back to whatever normal is. We're still wearing masks, but we're doing pretty much everything else. Uh, we actually had our first coffee hour on Sunday, which <laughs> there was one family that told me, they, they were thinking about not coming, but their kids insisted they go because there was going to be coffee hour. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can relate. I'm, I'm there. That's the, for some, that's what gets them there, whatever gets you there. So, yeah, we're doing, we're doing well. I really love two things. Um, one was the good busy. Yeah. Mm. Is that such a nice way to describe being busy? Sometimes we just get overwhelmed with busy. Mm. But to modify it by saying it's a good busy is, yeah. is kind of a wonderful it's thing. important stuff. That is that is important stuff, and and I like your little side comment on whatever gets you there because yeah. we all find our pathway uh, in in different ways. And I'm thinking, Pete, you you have a a fun way or something that you took away from that. Well, uh, you know, I was thinking about the coffee, which obviously I <laughs> I glommed onto right away. It's my my limbic brain, the lizard brain, said, "Oh, okay, I'm there." But today, for instance, just so folks know, it's one of those April shower days that brings the May flowers. And on this particularly somewhat damp day, it's good to have your hands wrapped around a nice warm cup. So that's what we're doing. Absolutely. But we are sitting in a room that's nice and dry. We have um, somewhat live tulips uh, on the table. And um, 
we're we're enjoying a, a, a typical spring day. And uh, Rabbi Tom, how are things going at Temple at Siam? Things at Temple at Siam are going very well. Thank you very much. Uh, so we are uh, approaching. Uh, Passover, which is uh, a week from Friday, and uh, I am pleased to say I'm nowhere near ready, uh, but I'm hoping my <laughs> congregants are. Uh, we are. We typically do a um, community seder for the second night of Passover. We are not doing so this year because the logistics. By the time we found out that we could do it, it was a little too late to get it organized. So we're um, asking people uh, who don't have places to go for Seder to contact us, and we will find them places. And we're asking people who have room for people at their Seders to contact us. So if any of you on either category are listening, just mail rabbi.alpert at temple-etzhaim.org. You can get onto the internet and figure out where temple, how to spell etzhaim. I'm not going to go through that with you. Uh, but uh, contact us and let us know because we will work the shidduch, as we say in Yiddish, a match. So that is happening. Uh, we are still unlimited numbers, but still mass. We have not yet opened up for uh, Oneg Shabbat for our food afterwards. However, the uh, our, our reopening committee will be looking soon at things like that as the uh, as we start to be able to open the windows and uh, get some fresh air in. I have a feeling we'll be moving that direction, though I don't want to jump into their lane. On a personal note, I've uh, returned from a couple of weeks away. I uh, was at the National Convention of the Central Conference of American Rabbis, the Reform Rabbinic Organization, where we honored 50 years of women in the rabbinate in North America. The, the first rabbi ordained in North America, Sally Presand, uh, has been coming to these conventions regularly and was there again, and we honored her and all the other women who stepped in starting That's in wonderful. 1972. It That's was very terrific. special. And it also was is the 100th anniversary of the first uh, bat mitzvah. So there are two mm -hmm. special uh, moments for, for women in Judaism. And on a personal, even more personal note, um, I took a few days vacation and uh, took the train out from here to San Diego, and that was remarkable and special. So, uh, you know, got to see the glory of America. Mm. You shared so much that's interesting. Um, I have to say I, I really like the fact that you have a process that identifies need, need to be with someone for the Seder and those that have access in space that can accommodate the need. What a wonderful thing to have in life for this moment, but always. Oftentimes we find ourselves in need of something and somebody else has a surplus. And, and how do we bring them together? How do we identify that in a conversation? Sometimes it, it, it passes by us so quickly. And to be open to it, to be present in the moment and to hear it and to respond to it. So it, it's, it's nice to see that happening. I was I, tempted to sing from Fiddler on the Roof, but matchmaker, matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> And it would have been appropriate. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. I, that is absolutely wonderful. And then I, I have to also say thank you for um, sharing with us some of these milestones. And in, throughout all of history, these are short milestones for, for women. We're looking at 50 years and 100 years when you're looking at thousands of years. But these are significant milestones um, for 50 years, you said since the first woman, woman was ordained was as a or, rabbi in North America. Was ordained in North. Were there women? There rabbis? was a, that was, there, was a there was a woman named 
uh, Regina Jonas, who was ordained in Germany. She died in the, the camps, uh, but she was um, a, a leader and ordained in uh, the, I believe, the 1930s, maybe the 20s. Um, Hmm. Yeah, this is the only other one. And then a hundred years since the first Botnitz fight. Yes, and that was here. That in, was in North America. That was in, in uh, New York City. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and one other thing I need to mention. I'm half the <laughs> temple. Uh, sorry, I just realized I've forgotten this. Uh, we are having our annual gala celebration on Saturday night, and we are honoring, uh, among others, our colleague uh, Father Brian Manning with our Tree of Life Award. Uh, which we give every year to someone who's made special contributions to uh, this community. We're pleased to do that. Nice on a lot of levels. Yeah. I, I think it speaks to the collegiality among the congregations and among the congregational leadership, too, that reach out to one another. And um, as a member of St. Mary Parish family, um, I'm honored that that you are honoring um, Father Brian Manning, he's uh, a wonderful priest to us in, for the congregation that I participate in. And so uh, thank you for sharing that and, and sharing that publicly. Wow, there's so much. <laughs> Pastor Jacob, you have a, a, you have a, a travel, train travel, stellar events, community partnerships. There's a, there, there's a lot going on, and, and a, that's a tough act to follow, but what's going on with the United Methodist Church? So we um, we are rapidly and frantically preparing for Easter as well, with a couple of extra services this coming week. Um, so rapidly and frantically would fall under good busy, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Depends how many cups of coffee I've had on a given day. Uh, sometimes uh, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really to mention here, you know, on Easter, we will have our normal schedule followed by fellowship and a community-wide Easter egg hunt. So following worship at 11 on Easter Sunday, so that's April 17th, we'll have a uh, Easter egg hunt that's open to anyone. You don't have to attend worship. Uh, assuming the preacher doesn't go long, it will start at 11. <laughs> and um, there'll be coffee and fellowship time to go along with the Easter egg There's hunt. that coffee thing again that gets them, you know. Just, it gets people. It's not just um, the coffee, it's the baked goods. Ooh, that's, that's right. Um, as we look further out, you know, looking past Easter, just some things to kind of keep in mind. Uh, the Sunday after uh, Easter, we'll be celebrating what's called Holy Humor Sunday, uh, which is actually a, a fairly long-standing tradition in the Christian faith to look at the joke God played on Satan with uh -huh. the resurrection and uh, to celebrate humor as a way mm. of continuing the joy of Easter. And then following uh, that, so as we look into May, uh, we'll be looking, we'll have a discussion series on the practices that build healthy community, uh -huh. which is seem seems immensely appropriate as we come back together mm. post-COVID and how do we build a sustainable community by truth-telling and uh, essentially standing by one's word uh, and practices such as that, hospitality, mm -hmm. et cetera. So that we are, we are continuing to chug along. We are, uh, as of this coming Sunday, fully back to normal with fellowship time uh, after worship. So by the time Easter rolls around, we will be kind of in our quote-unquote normal rhythm and mm -hmm. routine. Um, for 
for Sunday worship, we continue to figure out what good busy looks like for us in terms of ministry uh, so that we're not jumping in too fast and wearing each other out. I would add an important dietary note, by the way, to the comment that uh, Reverend Kathy made about baked goods. It's very, un- it's very important to understand that when you, within your congregation, when you obtain said baked goods at these events, there are no calories. These are very special baked goods, which are calorie-free. So, you know, with wanton abandon, you're, you're doing good by consuming many baked goods. So just I'm putting that out there as an important point. That's, Thank you, Pete. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm about. I neglected to mention one event that's very important. Um, during the Wednesday of Holy Week, which is the 13th of April, we are having an even song for Ukraine. And um, part of that will be taking a collection for Episcopal Relief and Development and their efforts there with with refugees. I heard something interesting this week, by the way. Uh, One of the little news blurbs, uh, a kicker that was on one of the nightly newscasts, and it relates to something Rabbi Tom was talking about. That is the notion of brokering people who need something, people who have a surplus of something. Mm. There are a couple of college kids who very cleverly cobbled up an internet website uh, in the span of about 48 hours with the idea that they were matching available European homes and households to Ukrainian refugees in need. And in the span of, I think, maybe three or four weeks that they accomplished all this, they matched 100,000 families. Mm. That's two college kids in a dorm room. God bless them. A lot of stuff happens that way. That's what the Internet is very good at, brokering. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I, I like the fact that you can look at some of these very difficult situations and there is somebody out there that's looking for a way to help them. Hmm. As, as you brought that up with the—I I think a lot of us saw that. It kind of passed, passed by us on, uh, you know, on our various social media or in the print news. You, you do see a lot of that. And hmm. it's important to remember that there is a lot of— there is some good out there, a lot of good out there in that world. Like you said, two young students in a, in a dorm room. Wow. But before we jump in, thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Pastor Jacob. You, a lot going on. I wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, the Easter egg hunt, is it on the grounds of the—is it on the church grounds? It is on the church grounds, the church yep. grounds. And it, assuming that's assuming the weather's nice, and if it's not nice, we'll be inside. And uh, I like the Holy Humor Sunday. I've not heard of that before. So learn so much here (laughs) with what is going on. And um, we can move on into today's subject. Does that sound good to you, Pete? It does. And I'm prepared to be surprised by all of the insight and wisdom that is about to flow or me, if you will. So I, I am open and receptive. My mind is yours. Wow. They, are they buying any of that? Do you think? I'm, I, I, I'm no. curious. Well, my <laughs> colleagues maybe can do the, the wisdom. I'm, yeah. I'm just here. Okay. Okay. I think well, we'll just look to Jacob. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> As we mentioned, kind of at the beginning of of today's show, the discussion is going to focus on Easter and Passover holidays, especially as they are associated with opportunities for renewal. And this also includes renewal in life as we come out of the pandemic. So we have a lot of, I think, different threads. We have the, the threads from Easter, the threads from the pandemic, the, the threads of coming together um, as a community, meeting one another in person as the, 
the the three of you talked about, I can't believe, I'm actually going to get to say the word now, coffee, as we (laughs) talked about coffee or refreshments or meals gathering together and we're coming back. That's an essential part of life is that that, uh, conversations, those exchanges that happen in an easier way sometimes when you're holding a, a cup of coffee or even a glass of water just to have that exchange. So we've talked about preparations for Easter and for Passover, just a little bit as you reference the good busy and getting things geared up and, and um, Holy Week preparations. But um, as we kind of enter into the holidays, and we really are into spring, what do you think this says to your your congregations? And I'll start with you, um, Pastor Jacob. What do you think that this says about the possibility of starting anew um, as we have, uh, as, as your, your congregation would celebrate Easter? And as you said, you're coming out, you're almost fully in some ways, but you're kind of moderating things too. Can you tell us a little bit? So this Easter is an extremely special one in the sense that we have not celebrated Easter together in person since Easter of 2019. Mm. Because if you'll recall the way the shutdowns happened, that happened as Lent was starting and mm. we, and mm-hmm. we were nearing Easter. Um, so that in and of itself is a important thing to remember. It's been three years mm. since we've celebrated this holiday together. And on a standard Easter, uh, for those who show up, there will be echoes of this, this coming Easter. You know, the standard message for me is, you know, Easter is a symbol of God's desire to be in relationship with us, so much so that God would go to hell and back to, to be with us. But as I think about com- pulling out of COVID, there's other aspects of the story that I think are really important. And um, there were two that have been rattling around my brain for our discussion today. And, and the, the first is Jesus is recognized by the wounds that he um, ex- received on the cross. And as we pull out of COVID, there, I think there is, there is a desire to want to just move so far past it we forget all that has gone on. And I think for the Easter story, Jesus is remembered by those wounds. And so we should pay attention to all that we've gone through in the past and not be quick to just kind of put it behind us, but instead let us influence what happens next. So that's that's the first part. Um, and then the, the second is in all of the post or most of the post-resurrection accounts in the Gospels, Jesus does the mundane things with the disciples. In particular, he eats with them. And as we think about the way the Easter story can influence us moving forward, I think that's really important. It's okay to do the simple things together. We don't have to go to some, you know, we don't have to throw an elaborate party just sitting around a table or we're sticking with the theme here, drinking a cup of coffee (laughs) together is equally important, if not the most important thing we can do as we live into this new life together. I think also, too, just to add to what you're saying, I, I, I think that uh, in spring in general is probably among the most opportun- opportunistic and most optimistic times of the year. First greening, renewal of life, everything is waking up after a long winter, 
And this one is particularly important. That is, as you point out, everything sort of unraveled coming into, you know, 20, it's been three years, 2019. And we have crossed a chasm, crossed a long desert of loneliness. And then so crossing and getting to the end of it, the chance to celebrate uh, back to a new normal is a very, very big deal, I think, for everyone. Uh, and so that said, I think that the amount of enthusiasm that people have, things like tradition, ceremony, congregations, reconvening, that's all part of a new normal that I think that people are thirsty for at this point. And travel. Yes. Travel is important. In, in, in the wounds, I'm wondering, um, as you said, not to put COVID you know, so quickly behind you, that I think a lot of us, a, a lot of people in the community may have suffered loss mm. over these past couple of years. And that's going to um, rise to the surface in some ways. How are you addressing that or being aware of that loss while we're celebrating uh, what we're, you know, some, some new aspects of life? I it think is that- kind of a look back and a look ahead. Yes. Right. I think there's power in just naming it. But where mm-hmm. when you named it in the middle of the pandemic, it created anxiety. Sure. At this point, naming it is almost liberating and mm-hmm. a joyous thing to say we've gone through this and now look at this. Naming and what look was. At what, look with hope to what can be. Yes. And the Easter story gives a, a massive amount of hope. Mm-hmm. moving through that turmoil and despair and agony and even death to look forward and say, ah, oh, you know, we were here, oh, mm. moving into this. And praise be to God for that. Absolutely. Rev- Reverend Kathy, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you next. And um, I could see you nodding at, at, at different times mm-hmm. uh, when um, uh, Pastor Jacob was, was talking and but it would be the same question, really, the possibility of starting anew and also starting anew with that which is new and adventurous, but also addressing that which we have lost in the, in the past couple of years. I think that's where Holy Week is helpful, that before we can celebrate resurrection, we have to walk through the betrayal and the torture and the death. Um, let me just give a little background uh, to that story. Um, after, after walking around the countryside and doing ministry with Jesus, his disciples came to know him as the Messiah, the Christ. And in fact, as God's self, sent to draw us closer in knowledge and love of him. So after Jesus is betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified and died on the cross, His disciples are left with this period between Friday and Sunday when they believe that God is dead. And as we participate in Holy Week observances, we can begin to feel that kind of tomb-like emptiness. And I think that might be kind of where we are now, that um, we know that Easter's coming. We know that on Easter morning we're going to proclaim that Jesus is risen. Uh, We're going to sing Alleluia. We're going to ring bells. And we're going to proclaim that God is more powerful than any human institution and, in fact, stronger than death. And we'll celebrate that God has won that victory over death and evil. But on Saturday, we're still, there's a twinge of doubt. Are we really there? Is it really going to happen? And I think that's where I am in terms of COVID, 
feeling that uh, I'm not sure it's really over. With the various waves that we've been through, yeah, um, I think we all look at it askance somewhat. And, yeah, and not have, sure it's really over. Yeah. We may still be in Holy Week. Vague doubts. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where I'm. And, and I think my congregation might be there too because I noticed this past Sunday was, was the first time that we've been able to shake hands at the peace, mm-hmm. to pass the collection plate, to receive the communion cup. To, to go to coffee hour, and people were hesitant. I noticed most people weren't shaking hands at the piece. They were still waving. <laughs> a lot of people did not receive the cup, um, and only maybe half went to coffee hour. So, um, yeah, I, I still think we're all being cautious, and we're not sure it's Easter yet. I think it's a long personal journey back for everyone, yep. at each at their own pace. Yep. And I like the each at their own pace. Oh, pace. I'm and, sorry. And Pastor Pastor Jacob. I was just going to add, you know, that that perspective is nice. It also f- holds after the resurrection too. So when as you were talking about that the doubts that arise, think of mm-hmm. doubting Thomas who mm-hmm. uh, isn't quite sure that what his his colleagues have said, the other disciples have said right. is actually mm-hmm. true that they'd actually seen Jesus. Yeah. Um, he wants to see the data. He wants to actually. That's right. He <laughs> wants to see He wants to see that and I think even after the celebration, those doubts and those questions still exist. Yeah. So we can we can shout an alleluia with absolute belief on Easter. Mm-hmm. But we all, or mm-hmm. at least I can speak for myself and mm-hmm. say, there's still some amount of doubt there, right? Yeah. Of is this miraculous thing really true? Yeah. Or and are we moving or and putting it to COVID, are we really past and that kind of lingering in the back of the head yeah. and living in that space is okay. In fact, healthy. Mm-hmm. Human. And I think we learn from one another in that, you know, in, in not judging anybody where they are along that pathway of deciding, okay, I'm done with bowing or waving. I'm actually going to shake hands this week. I've, I've seen other people. I think I can do it this coming week. You know, things like that, just uh, going out in the community, and and you are right. At the same time that many of us are celebrating Easter, we're also celebrating Passover. And there is a similar feeling of rejoicing and gratitude and and, and celebrating freedom from slavery. And uh, I think that many parallels can be drawn with again, with coming through Passover and coming through COVID. Rabbi Tom, can you um, help us to understand that more? And Sure. There's so many themes in Passover. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the seasonal one. You know, um, we have a tradition that uh, as we come up to Passover, we read uh, liturgically from the Song of Songs, uh, a love poem mm-hmm. in the Bible. And it includes these words. Um, my beloved spoke thus to me, Arise, my darling, my fair one, come away, for now the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The blossoms have appeared in the land. The time of pruning has come. The song of the turtle dove is heard in our land. It is a spring holiday on our on 
as part of our Passover Seder, we eat the, the karpas, which is a, a green vegetable, parsley, for instance, as a sign that this is spring and this is that time and it is a time of renewal and that the world can turn from winter again. And so that is positive message in COVID. In New England, we're never sure when spring has come. <laughs> and so it's appropriate that we have that uncertainty, and yet we know that eventually, somehow or the other, there will be spring. In the same way that Passover is a holiday of hope, we're told that each of us is to live as if they themselves had been freed from slavery in Egypt. Indeed, the word Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, and that they that's a, a, what's called a dual form in Hebrew. It's a special form for things that there are two of, that ayim ending, uh, you know, like two hands are yadayim. Mm -hmm. Well, Mitzrayim is related to the word tsar, which is narrow, and it's been suggested the, that, this, that Mitzrayim really means the narrow place and that we emerge from the narrowness that we have been living through, the narrowness of COVID, the... Uh, separations that we have had from each other and forced. And, you know, and Passover is is not uh, typically a synagogue time principally. It's a home time. Mm. And it's a, it's a time when families gather together, families, friends, gather together around the Seder table in community, in eating. And, you know, the last couple of years, that's been very hard. It's been, you know, it's maybe your little bubble. But it's not supposed to just be your little bubble. We're, we're told in the Haggadah, let all who are hungry come and eat. So it's really got to be a chance to open up. And it's been hard. And now maybe we're starting to do that. And we're hoping for it. And we're hoping to get out of the narrowness of COVID and into the open spaces. And how fast we're going to walk through the, the, that narrowness, fast we're going to go through the sea, is up to each of us. But it is a suggestion, at least, that there is a belief that uh, we will get there. And, you know, you look at Jewish history over the years and, that you know, we, we talk about being free and very often we have not been free, haven't been free of fear, haven't been free of oppression and all. Uh, but we believe that it can, has come and therefore will come again. And I'd say the same for COVID. We have been, you know, we just believe that we will get there. And how we'll get there is to be determined, but we'll get there. What I like about Seder is it's a remarkably uh, solemn yet joyous time all mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the experience for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is, you know, we're dealing with, you know, some fairly serious uh, topics. You know, mm -hmm. that we, have, we have the, the harosa a, a, a Pleasant food, that, but nonetheless, that it reminds us of the bricks that were used to build uh, the, the the structures for Pharaoh. We have the uh, bitter herbs to remind us of the bitterness of Egypt, and yet um, we are commanded to find games and songs and things for kids to have a good time in, and for adults to have a good time in. And so, yes, um, you you know, it's needs to be all of that. Yes, compare also to. Uh Seder is a great benchmark going forward. Well, looking back again on the last two years, which I can sum up with Lily Tomlin's rather pithy line, we're all in this alone. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, goodness.
Well, I would just like to say uh, I was doing a little bit of reading about uh, Passover before our conversation today, and what struck me again was the role of of the the stories. Mm-hmm. And you have shared different stories with us, Rabbi Tom, um, at at different uh, different conversations and uh, as as a reflection sometimes at the end. And that we oftentimes I, I wondered about the stories that will come out of out of COVID, um, come out of these past two years, because there are some stories of joy and there are some sad stories and such. But I thought that that was an interesting um, element um, was the the aspect of stories. Stories central. The the book that we read on Passover, the service that we have out of the home, is called the Haggadah. And the word Haggadah, the Hebrew word ha means the, and agada, or more formally agada, means story. So it is the story. Um, and yes, each family, I mean, part of the point of having a, a home-based celebration is every person who's grown up in a Jewish home has their Passover story memories. This is how we do it in our family, and it's going to be different from how you do it in your family. There are tons, tons of Haggadahs, Haggadot. There are tons of different versions of this, um, you know, each appealing or speaking in a particular voice to a particular set of people. People put their own together. So the formal story is multivocal, mm-hmm. and the stories at each of our tables are multivocal and they're our own experiences and it is it is memory it is not just history something you read in a book it is memory it is history is inculcated in our food in our bodies in our memories that mm. uh, that that we bring to life that we live that we instantiate that we stand up for the, the, that is inside ourselves every day thank you for that I, I I appreciate it and and I think that we you know we all have stories and 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 they come with us um, in our daily life um, one of the other questions that you asked here we've talked a lot about uh, Easter and Passover and covid but um, one of the other prompts that you asked us to think about was how do these holidays of Passover and Easter help us as we look at the other broken places in our world? So we've really been looking at them, using them as the lens for leaving COVID behind and moving cautiously, respectfully onward with our life. But there are there are other things going on. And um, uh, Pastor Jacob, would you feel comfortable about leading this part of the conversation? Um, oh, I thought, or uh, sure, I can. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I think for me, the Easter message, m- much like Rabbi Tom said, for the Passover as the Passover, be- Passover being the story um, to live into. I think for Christians, the Easter story is the story to live into and the way in which we do that or the the way in which that story influences our perspective on the world is that no matter uh, how dark the world may seem or how agonizing it may be 
um, no matter what blockades are put in front of us, uh, even if it's the biggest stone we can find caging us in the tomb, um, that those things will be rolled away and can be overcome and light will break forth in that dark moment and life will spring out of even death itself. And that has broad applicability to not only, not only every aspect of a person's life, but even in the way we view uh, things going on in a broader sense in the world in which we live. So war is not the end all. Death is not the end all. Betrayal will not be the last thing one experiences. You know, the, that's the hope of Easter that I think speaks to our broader experience as human beings, both on the individual level and on the communal level. Preach, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I, 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 th I uh, you cannot. S those that are listening to this as, as an audio, uh, when, when I asked uh, Pastor Jacob uh, to be the first one, it's never easy to be the first one to answer any of these questions. And um, He stepped and, up. And, and, you know, there, were, there was a, a slight hesitation, uh, but, and the emphasis is on slight. And yet you came forward with such deep, thoughtful, reflective uh, words that talk about the hope of Easter, you know, within our congregations and within the greater community. That was that was wonderful. It really helped us uh, to make that bigger connection beyond just the COVID. So I, I thank you for that. I, I'm going to just go around our little small circle here and, and ask Rabbi Tom if he would speak next. So one of the... Um parts of the Passover Seder is uh, toward the beginning you s take three matzahs. Uh, for those who don't know, matzah is unleavened bread. It's, uh, we are supposed to eat unleavened bread throughout the week. Uh, eat, no, I have no leavening through the week. Uh, so we take the three uh, pieces of matzah and we break the middle one and we set it aside and uh, it's a game for the kids to look at and find later and that we can't really finish the Seder until they've found it. And we do a whole uh, thing where you know you, you have to bargain with them to get them to give you the matzah, the, 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 this last piece called the afikoma that they've found and so forth. But the, the uh, you know, so it's, it's fun for kids and at that level it's great. And yet at another level it's a sign uh, that you know we, uh, that we live in a broken world. And our job is to try to pull that brokenness back together. Um, that's our that's our work in this world, and the th there's a, a text in the Haggadah that says, "Avadim hayinu v'atabene chorin," and that then gets turned into a song, which I am going to do you the great favor of not singing for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> my singing voice is is notable. Uh, so. Uh, but that means um, we were slaves and now we are free people. And that's really the whole story of Passover. It is a story, as we're told in the Haggadah, that takes us from degradation to freedom. And so when we look at our world, when we look at the uh, war going on in Ukraine, the, the, you know, the completely unjustified, uh, excuse me, I'm going to say that, the completely unjustified uh, attack on a, a peaceful people, when we look at uh, the, the fact that the... Uh, that it's been, you know, uh, 
over two years since George Floyd and things are better, but they sure aren't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that there are, that, that, that oppression continues to go on, that there are people who are not yet free people in all the various ways that we can be free people. Um, Passover is a reminder that it's happened once, it can happen again. And we can and are obligated to help God in the work of bringing the broken world together and making it so that everyone can celebrate their freedom. And that's uh, both our hope and our obligation that, that, uh, that uh, we live with and have to work on. I like that's beautiful. One of the things I appreciate about that is I want to retract my some part of my Easter thing. Is <laughs> what one of the things I absolutely appreciate about that is how active it is, right? So mm-hmm. the way I described Easter was very passive in the sense of there's hope. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to add to I want to I want to put an active element because I think Tom is Great. exactly right on the active side of his reflection about Passover. Um, the, there is e- always Easter hope. Everything I said before mm-hmm. is great, but you still got to walk out of that tomb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, to- the the stone could be rolled away, the light could be shining, and be still got to walk out of it. Yep. Uh, and that would carry similar to what mm-hmm. Rabbi Thomas thing. I mean, it's not simply the hope we find in our faiths. But I, would, I think this is true for both of us would be, it's not just this passive thing, but there's an active element of needing to walk forward. Mm-hmm. And share the good news and live mm-hmm. the good news. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Reverend Kathy, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, well, they covered so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the only thing I would say is that um, the hope of resurrection, the fact that, that God overcame death gives us um, gives us this hope that God can overcome anything. There is nothing more powerful than God. And I guess the other important element about that story is forgiveness. That um, while Jesus is being crucified, um, he asked God to forgive those who did it to him and, and the thieves who are hanging there with him. Well, the one who... Um, kind of chastises him and says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And so if if God can forgive the people who crucified his son, then he can certainly forgive any piddly little thing that we do, even the, even the horrible things that we do. But it it gives us the hope not only of overcoming anything, but of being forgiven for anything, that there is always the possibility of reconciliation. We all get a do-over. <laughs> yeah, maybe not without work, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But that's really, you know, every year spring comes around. Every year we yep. visit this time. Every year we get to figure out what that means to us. Right. And as both of you pointed out, all of you pointed out, what are we going to do about it? And sometimes it might be a very simple act. Maybe it's a simple act of declaration. Mm-hmm. I give you Dismas, who declared that Jesus was innocent. Why is he here? Mm. Right? And sometimes you just have to speak up. Yeah. I'd just like to throw into one other little fact in Judaism. You know, the, the uh, Passover is in the Hebrew month of Nisan. And if you look in the Bible, it calls out the first month. 
And in Jewish tradition, there are different first months, just like we have different first months of our different years. There's our fiscal year mm-hmm. and our calendar year and our birthday years. So there's a debate that takes place among the rabbis. Was the world created in Nisan, which is the spring, mm-hmm. or was it created in Tishrei, which is when Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the the traditional counting of the years starts. So, you know, which is – which, and then they go and debate it back and forth. And, you know, so it could be the fall. It could be the spring. But what's important to me about that is that um, there are – creation is an opportunity for a, for a new start. There are new starts that happen all over the place. I don't know who's right about, you know, whether it's the spring or the fall. But in each time, we've got a chance to do something new to – to see where we have messed up mm-hmm. and try again. Try again. Yep. And that is built into the fabric of life in this world. And God helps us with those second and third and 256 tries. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, was, I was doing confirmation class with some kids a couple of weeks ago, and we were going through our baptismal covenant, and you know, when you're asked, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and all those other things that they ask you, the response is always, I will with God's help. Mm-hmm. Because we can't do it alone. We need God's help to, uh, to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else before we bring this together? Because it's been such a great discussion. All right, then as, as, we, as is our practice, we always have a spiritual focus at the end. And it kind of brings the whole conversation to a close, and it helps us to bring this hour of exchange among one another. And leading the spiritual focus today is um, Reverend Kathy. And I just have a short scripture reading. This is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge. We who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trusty anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain to God's inner sanctuary. Amen. Thank you. Very nice way of kind of bringing everything together. And so I would like to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to Reverend Kathleen McAdams. Thank you to Rabbi Tom Alpert. Thank you to Pastor Jacob Yunker. Thank you. And I feel smarter already. What can I say? (laughs) Well, I was going to say thank you to Pete Bassiano, who stepped in at literally the last minute and... uh, contributed in such a nice way to our discussion. As always, we thank Keith Palmieri, who is our technician and takes all these words that have been flowing about in the the universe of this room and uh, puts them on a recordable environment. And uh, And, go ahead. And may all who are listening and who celebrate have a happy Passover, a joyous Easter. Thank you. Amen's all around on that one. And thank you to Dr. Pandora Carlucci. (laughs) Absolutely. Without whom we couldn't do any of this stuff. But thank you also for uh, reminding to wish everyone blessed holidays. And go back to your remarks at the very beginning that if you were looking for a Seder or you had 
extra space in the Seder, we should have some information mm. um, associated with this recording so that you can reach out to Rabbi Tom or his designee. Please. And uh, we'll see you in another month, and hopefully we'll have uh, Jay Horrigan back with us. So thank you very much. I'm out already. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe we'll just expand. (laughs) This is Franklin Public Radio.